Well, I am joined now um, by Dr. Andrew, Andrew Prevo, excuse me, and uh, we are continuing our discussions of uh, David Neuheiser's Hope in a Secular Age. So, uh, Dr. Prevo, thank you for taking the time to speak with me on this uh, pre-AAR recording, uh, and uh, I really appreciate it. So thanks for being here. Uh, sure, it's my pleasure. Well, just want to ask you a couple questions and, and kind of get your response to, to David Neuheiser's book, Hope in a Secular Age. So I guess my first question is, is very simple. Um, in your mind, what are Neuheiser's most important contributions in the book, uh, in your view? Yeah, well, um, great. Th thanks again for this chance to talk about the book. I really enjoyed reading it. And, you know, full disclosure, uh, David Neuheiser is a friend of mine. We've... Uh, We've discussed some of these ideas informally. Um, so, but you know, I, I really am happy that this book is out there because um, people who don't have a chance to interact with them personally can then read it and, and benefit from, you know, um, really just a very thoughtful approach to this question of hope. Um, and also to this question of what does it mean to live in a secular age? I mean, I think the book is really about both of those points simultaneously. And so uh, regarding hope, I would say, you know, the, the main question here is not about, you know, particular kind, you know, uh, things that we might hope for. You know, like I hope tomorrow was a sunny day or something like that. I, David is presenting hope more as a kind of uh, disposition or a way of life or e even a sort of ethics. So he, the question is, can hope be a kind of fundamental structure uh, for our life in this world? Um, now, the second piece is about secular age and what that really means. And one of the things I like about his account of our secular culture is that it's not, he doesn't present it as a kind of hegemonic, uh, ubiquitous, radical atheism. You know, that doesn't really seem to be uh, reflecting the reality of things. So. For David, secular age or secular age has to do with um, a kind of plurality of different traditions, more or less religious, and also a plurality of ways that people relate themselves to those traditions from kind of uh, very passionate affiliation to various degrees of disaffiliation. So I think his book is really written for that audience of people who might have some tie to a tradition whether that be Judaism, Christianity, or something else, um, but also some uh, critical distance from it, uh, some deep uh, probing questions about it, some dissatisfaction with it. So in a way, um, what I see him trying to do with this book is to avoid, on the one hand, uh, an account of, of kind of hope as an ethics that would only be satisfying to sort of radical atheists, and the representative there being someone like Camus. Um, and on the other hand, to avoid uh, the sort of hope as an ethics that would only be satisfying to um, very committed religious believers, like uh, David Elliott, who is kind of faithfully representing Thomas Aquinas's views on hope. So I think David does an excellent job kind of um, finding a way to talk about this ethics in between those two poles. And I think at that level, the book is, is really very appealing and kind of a great achievement. It, you know, it strikes me as you were speaking there that the, the title is Hope in a Secular Age. And it recalls, of course, Charles Taylor's work, you know, uh, uh, a, a Secular Age. And, 
the way you described it really brought to mind um, some of the the terminology in that book, uh, buffered self and and imminent mm-hmm. frame. Um, but as you as you outlined there, David is really trying to uh, outline a, an understanding of hope that um, is a little bit uh, a little bit different than that, and draws on different resources uh, in in more normative directions. and And I think that's interesting. Um, I guess my next question would be, you know, what questions arise for you in response to the book, whether in criticism of the work or in terms of questions it raises for, you know, related texts, themes, uh, or phenomena? Sure, yeah. Well, first, just on uh, the connection with Charles Taylor, I I do think that uh, the book is um, trying in some ways to speak to this a similar audience, uh, you know, but I think you're absolutely right that the resources here are different. Um, you know, Taylor is coming out of a broadly Hegelian, uh, sort of left Hegelian tradition. Whereas uh, David is really coming out of a kind of uh, negative theology, deconstruction, uh, critical theory sort of tradition. And so it seems like there's, um, um, there's different ways <laughs> to, to kind of respond to the secular age and David and, and uh, Taylor have kind of different approaches there. Uh, but what I would say is, I, I mean, one other thing I really liked about the book is just, if you're, if someone is interested in Derrida or in Dionysius, there's just a lot of detail here to chew on. Um, so it's, he offers some very close and interesting readings of those two notoriously difficult uh, thinkers. So I really appreciate that. Um, my questions have to do with how he's relating Derrida and Dionysius. And at one point in the book, he talks about, um, he, he makes the claim that although they differ, their hopes differ in content, they are the same in kind. So there's this distinction between uh, the content of what one hopes for uh, and the kind of hope that it is. So, so David argues that the reason that they have the same kind of hope is that they both are kind of um, modeling this sort of disciplined resilience in the face of great uncertainty. So the uncertainty in Dionysius comes from his kind of mystical theology and the, um, you know, the way that language breaks down there and the uncertainty in Derrida comes from uh, just the way everything is deconstructible and under erasure and so on. Um, but neither of those kind of moments of negativity in their works uh, undermine the kind of resilience um, this, that, that each of them exemplifies. So I think in that sense, David is right to say they have the same kind of hope. But he acknowledges, you know, uh, Dionysius is coming out of a Christian Neoplatonic, Byzantine sort of context, Derrida sort of a secularized Judaism, uh, f- more philosophical in a certain sense. Um, but you know, David wants to say those are differences of content, but I kind of just wonder about that uh, framing. Um, and um, you, you know, because in some ways, I think that uh, what's really at stake here are uh, questions of politics and questions of theology. And so some of the content um, is really, to me, suggesting a different kind of hoping on a sort of a political and theological register. I can unpack that some more if you, you would like, um, but I, maybe I'll just pause there and see what questions you might have. Well, no, I, I think it's a really important um, sort of hinge in the text because uh, it, is a, it is an important claim. And I, I, I am interested in, in, in what you think there about 
um, can we draw distinctions between structure and content? Can we have the same structure and different content? And so it seems to me that's where you're going. So would love to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's not as if I want to abolish the distinction between sort of form and content, but I, I do want to sort of question it and how it's functioning in any given text. And I think that's a very Derridian thing to do, in fact. <laughs> so maybe I'm taking some of David's own tools to raise this sort of question, um, which I don't, I, by the way, I don't think this question is at all devastating to the argument, but I just think what it does is it shows that um, this, what's at stake for David are the things that actually Derrida and Dionysius hold in common. And so he wants to say, that's the kind of hope that I'm advocating. And, and certain differences that they have are not as central to the argument he's trying to make. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly legitimate. Um, but for me, uh, you know, just coming to this from my own political theological point of view, you know, I basically, to put a fine point on it, agree with Derrida's politics and disagree with Dionysius's but in some sense agree more with Dionysius's theology and disagree with Derrida's uh, the theology. Or, or it's not so much disagreement, it's just a sense of, um, you know, as a Christian thinker, I find myself in some ways more in the tradition that Dionysius is working out of. And so when I therefore look at them, I would say, well, these seem like two different kinds of hope, in some sense, which are neither which are what I want per se as as a as a christian living in the secular age i want a kind of uh, a christian form of discipline resilience that uh is working out of that tradition but with a kind of democratic and justice oriented impulses that are actually more present in dionysius i mean in uh, excuse me in derrida than in dionysius it's interesting to think about the uh for me this brings up conversations from Lot, lot, much of the literature in the 90s and the early 2000s surrounding uh, Derrida and theology, but also Dionysius and hierarchy. And the, mm -hmm. you know, to me, what seems to be you're teasing out here is that, that the Dionysian emphasis on hierarchy uh, may not lend itself to the kinds of democratic and, and justice oriented norms you're, you prefer theologically. And yet uh, Derrida stands either at such a critical distance from a tradition or Though he says, you know, he is in some way a Christian because he's inherited some of this Latin um, sort of Western, you know, theology, despite uh, his his best intent, um, you know, and, and as a Jewish person, there, there's just a, such a complicated identity there with Derrida. But it seems to me that uh, I understand, I guess, what I'm trying to say, your your impulse to say that you agree more with Derrida's politics and Dionysius's theology, if that's possible. Um, and I, it, it leads me to a, a kind of final question, which is mainly... Um, in addition to this question about the structure and content of hope uh, as they relate to the similarities between Derrida and Dionysius, uh, what are the other sort of queries or, or questions you'd like to pose to David, um, you know, just in terms of his analysis, in terms of his conclusions, uh, where he lands in the book, and so on and so forth? Yeah, well, I think that um, some of the most interesting parts of the book are his engagements with folks like Agamben on, you know, kind of, um, he, he makes a valiant effort to defend Dionysius a little bit from Agamben's critique uh, that all of this, 
all of this mysticism is just functioning to kind of conceal power and so on. Um, and also some of the engagements with people like Martin Hagland and, you know, um, this kind of more atheistic reading of Derrida, um, some of the kind of work that David's putting out there, th some, some of it unpublished uh, writings by Derrida, you know, that he's drawing on show a kind of religious side to Derrida that I think, you know, someone like Hagelin might be missing. And so, but if I do have more questions, it might be around, you know, just some of the, um, some of the details of those types of interactions. You know, like I would, I would love to see, uh, you know, a, a follow-up essay, or something on kind of, um, you know, Derrida's practices of prayer, for instance. Those those come up a few times in the book, and I'm I was wondering, you know, how important are these to to David's argument? You know, let's say if Derrida didn't have these thoughts on prayer, would his kind of hope still be the same, or would or do, are these making a real difference? And um, and, you know, I would love to see sort of a, a new Heiser take on kind of the whole of Agamben's kind of project and how he would situate that in relation to um, this, this practice of hope. Does he see Agamben as exemplifying something similar, uh, like a kind of disciplined resilience, even if he's sort of pushing back against some of his claims about Dionysius? Could Agamben also be an ally or is there a kind of argument, a deeper argument with Agamben going on here? It's that, that for me, that side of inquiry is really fascinating because it brings up Agamben's uh, interest in St. Paul. And, it, and it, it begs the question as to um, how hope is playing out in Derrida's understanding of, of not only biblical texts, not only eschatology, perhaps certain um, understanding, you know, certain approaches to, to Paul. Um, but as you say, so, so that's one thing that I hear you saying is, um, What's up with Agamben here? Is does Agamben's hope fall under the same structure? Um, Agamben might be closer to the tradition than Derrida uh, in many ways. The, mm -hmm. ne the next thing I uh, I sort of heard you teasing out there was um, does Derrida's practice uh, buttress his, for lack of a better, David's going to hate this word, lack of a better word, doctrine. So is mm -hmm. the is his, yeah. is Derrida's hope in uh dependent upon his practice of prayer is that is that some of what you're getting at there a little bit right well that's the sort of thing where it's like okay if we label that as content yeah or kind of material just a material difference that doesn't really matter that much that makes the argument kind of easier but my question is about i'm sort of interested in all of these little material things that actually people are are doing the choices that they're making about um you know how to live how to spend their time um, how to kind of organize them, themselves and their lives, you know, and, you know, I guess a further question would be if we had a more differentiated sense of the different kinds of hope that people are attempting, maybe all under a kind of umbrella category, you know, would that help us navigate our secular age better? Or, you know, is it more important to focus on kind of what we all share in common despite these material differences? And I think that um, David is is walking, trying to walk a fine line there of sort of similarity and difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on these, on this question of hope. Yeah.
Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to think about a kind of taxonomy of hope as a way to understand the the resonances, the consonances, and also the dissonance that we might find between uh, various actors and communities, people who hold different theologies, people who identify as secular, um, you know, so on and so forth. So those are great questions. I, I uh, feel like I could continue to interject here for hours and hours, Andrew, and just, you know, keep asking you things because this is really fascinating. I promise to keep it short. And so um, I'll just say for now, um, thank you. We'll, we will look forward to our live panel at the, at the conference um, and digging into these questions more. David will have a chance to uh, respond to, to all of um, the panelists, uh, you know, uh, their, their interjections. So we'll look forward to his thoughts and hopefully have just a rich discussion in, in light of all that. So for now, uh, Dr. Andrew Prevo, thanks for being here and thanks for your time. Uh, again, it's my pleasure and looking forward to that conversation.